24 episodes of this very podcast. Can you believe it? No, you can't. What? No, what? no, I can't believe it. No, no one can. It's so unbelievable that we're going to do an episode that's 24 episodes. All in one. 24 individual episodes in one. What? Today. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a lie. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm not prepared for this. We can't go that short either. When we're together, our episodes like have to have a minimum of like an hour. <laughs> and then sometimes they go for three hours. That's just the way things go. Uh, I mean, sometimes we just don't stop talking. It's, it's true. Don't stop until you drop. Don't stop believing. We're just passing out at the, like, the microphone. Pretty much. By the time we're ending. <laughs> uh, hello. Welcome to Hi. the se- Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. Episode number 24, I'm Jared, joined as always by the coolest podcast host in the greater known Milky Way galaxy. Oh my god, that's that's a big honor. It's not the universe though, so. It's not the universe, but we don't know the universe <laughs> yet. Maybe there's a kick alien out there podcasting and you're just like, man, I can't beat that. That's the sound of Anladium, and I want to know what an alien podcast sounds like now. Oh, man. I hope that they have Tom from Blink-182 on. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. The reference I just made. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You you enjoy that. (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) Nobody expects Tom DeLonge of Blink-182. Let's be honest. I mean, oh, he's not even in Blink-182 anymore. Well, that's how everybody knows him. I know, but, like, they literally, like, yo, you're kind of crazy. We gotta kick you out. Yeah, yeah, he's... So he's... maybe he's doing his weird Angels and Airwaves stuff again. I don't know. Talking about uh, aliens. Talking probably, about aliens. Probably talking about aliens, mostly. Yeah, probably. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna talk about Angels and Airwaves today, unfortunately. I only know, like, one song of theirs, so that wouldn't really be that big of a deal. Yeah, I don't even know any of them. They had a song on Rock Band. That's the only reason I know a song of theirs. Ah. Uh, does it have him doing vocals? Of course it does. <laughs> All right, then I'm immediately out. Well, you don't like his weird, whiny voice? No, Mark was the better vocalist of Blink-182. Yeah. I mean, anytime you sing like him, he's like... Right, like, he sounded terrible <laughs> you have to make yourself sound like you're sick yeah it's it's like um it's like he was trying really really hard to be billy joe armstrong <laughs> and just sucked at it god welcome to today's <laughs> music podcast <laughs> where we don't talk about music at all we actually talk about something completely different we're gonna talk about a form of media that has no music whatsoever none Today we're going to do a, a new concept on the grab bag, which we've done two previous episodes on, where we talked about a variety of different video games. But you know, today I'm, I've been like reaching deep into the grab bag, and it's like, man, there's some heft to this this bag today. And I pulled <laughs> out, and I'm like, man, these are books. Books. Who reads books these days? Like being uh, obviously nerds. People with <laughs> with majors that make them read all the time, right, aka. Right. Us. Us. So Nerds. This is some, yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. 
Uh, so this is something that kind of came out of you wanting to talk about the various Zelda manga that you have in your possession. Correct. And I was like, oh, hey, I also have manga too. I could talk about that. Let's make some grab bag episodes. So that's pretty much what we're going to do. So this is going to be kind of a new series. We're not going to do it like every week or anything like that. Probably just every once in a while, we'll pull stuff out of the grab bag and talk about it. Like we usually yeah. do with video games. This time with yeah. reading material. In case you want to be a nerd like us. Yeah. Or you could be a not nerd and just listen to us talk about it and then you don't have to say you read it. True. Or you could be a bad person and go out and just pirate both of these things we're about to talk about. Mm. I mean, based on what you were telling me about the one you're going to talk about, it's pretty enough that you should have yeah, it. Yeah, you you really want... I mean, yeah. And they... Well, they also cost a, a quite a bit more than your, your run-of-the-mill manga volume, too. So that's a, yeah. that's a thing. But, I mean, I, that is a gray area with, with manga specifically because, you know... Lots of stuff doesn't get translated and brought over until like much later. So, you know, there's like people. Out, Persona Three. Yeah, people are out there, you know, translating them and putting them up on the internet for free just because like people want to read this stuff, and then eventually it comes out. So that it's a weird thing. We're not gonna talk about that specifically, but anyways. <laughs> oh, I eventually need to talk about the Persona Three manga, but we'll wait until they're actually yeah. like completed. I mean, that's probably gonna be a while. Probably. My Amazon list is like, they'll come eventually. Because I think they just wrapped that up in Japan. They did. And like what? Like the What was the last volume you got? Like two or three? Three, I think. So it's probably going to be like, what, maybe next year? Well, look forward to that next year, guys. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you're going to talk about The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons and Ages manga yes i am i'm going to talk about mobile suit gundam the origin manga which i don't have all the volumes of that there's like 12 of them and they are kind of expensive i have two of them but i figured like they're the first two volumes especially kind of give like a good or they set the tone in a way that you can kind of tell like this is very much different than the anime it's based off of so i figure like really that's a that's a that's the thing to talk about well, and actually, that's why I want to specifically talk about the Oracle um, book. Besides the fact that we just recently talked about the Oracle games. Right. Um, they changed some stuff in the manga that I thought is significant and interesting enough that it warrants talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why we bring these things to the table today. To the table. Also, um, I guess worth mentioning that uh, they are releasing, I, I think it's yeah, it's Viz. Um, they're releasing right now the legendary editions of all of the Zelda manga. Uh, so these are the editions that I'm specifically talking about. Uh, they compile them into like a nice, not hardcover edition, because that's too too nice apparently. Unlike right. these, right? But it, it's it's a it's a hefty, pretty cool thing, and it, it puts a uh, it puts several games together so uh kind of rad but this one's just oracle of seasons and ages it's a nice little collector thing uh list price is like 18 bucks but i didn't pay that thank you amazon <laughs> uh yeah the uh the gundam ones are through vertical ink and the list price on these or on volume one specifically is 29.95 Ooh. 
which I don't, I don't think I paid that much for, but I think it's still, you'll probably pay around 20 bucks for each individual volume. But like I said, it's like, it's hardcover. The, uh, the cover art on these specifically are just beautiful. And like each volume, I think, let me see how long this is. If I can quickly tell they're about 450 to 500 pages. So you're nice. getting you're getting a lot out of these. So like I can understand why they're so expensive. And I believe there was like there's 12 volumes to this, which I thought there was a lot more, and apparently I'm wrong. But it's just like it's very well done just like the presentation of it. And like like you were kind of hinting at like you do get in each individual volume like there's a little bonus section cuz they la- they basically label these as like collector's editions. So, like, the first volume has, like, three individual essays from various people from Japan. Like, uh, there's this first essay from, let me find it here. Uh, let's see. Like, a guy who wrote a column in, like, the Monthly Gundam magazine in Japan. And, like, wrote this, like, eight-page essay about, like, the, the manga itself and how it kind of, like, relates to the original anime. Uh, there's another one. From the president and CEO of Katakawa Publishing. And then the last one is actually kind of really interesting. Is It's from Hideaki Anno, the creator of Neo Genesis Evangelion. So that's like real interesting in and of itself. Considering, you know, those are both big mecha style stories and everything. And then oh. the, sec- the second volume I have is real strange. Because it's not a group of people you would expect to be interviewed for a manga about Gundam. It's the four uh four individuals that represent Clamp. <laughs> and it's like a sit down with all of them and like how they talk about like their history with Gundam and everything. And then like they also like they did a drawing of Amuro, the main protagonist of Mobile Suit Gundam. It's very just like shoujo esque looking. It's completely different than the art style within the manga. <laughs> Are the legs like extremely long? Surprisingly no. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> it is. But the Clamp one is actually real funny because, like, they just, like, talk about, like, oh, you know, we were introduced to this series. Like, oh, man, these, these the good guys, they were all real cool. But Char, the bad guy, he was real cute. <laughs> it's just it's so goofy. <laughs> I mean, I relate. <laughs> but, like, oh, what, man. but, like, what I was saying, like, how it kind of differs from, like, the anime. Because remember, like, I don't, you probably don't know this specifically, but. Mobile Suit Gundam, the anime, debuted in 1979. Yeah, so, like, it's very old. Like, it eventually did come to America. Like, uh, Toonami released it, I think, in 2000 or 2001, basically around the anime boom of that time period. And right after Mobile, or Gundam Wing kind of aired and everyone was kind of, like, hot on Gundam at the time. Uh, one of the things they kind of did, though, because, like, they did dub it and they used kind of, like, the same team from Gundam Wing... They never showed like the opening of the show because if you if you go back and watch like the opening of the show, it's very late seventies in the way it looks and sounds. Oh, is it? That song is like something else. Like you should go pa- pause this and go look that up real quick just to listen to it because it's it's weird. Like I have the uh, the blue the first Blu-ray collection of the series, and like the first time I saw that, I was like, "What is this? I don't remember this at all." But, like, th- that show, obviously, you know, it's from the 70s, so, like, there's a lot of kind of weird animation stuff to it. It's rough around the edges, specifically. But the the manga came out in, um, let me see here, 
uh, first, the first volumes of it were originally released in Japan, like 2002. And I think it was like originally serialized in 01. So this was basically a modern retelling of that and kind of changing some of the ideals from like the late seventies, early eighties, Japan and kind of the world into like the two thousands. So like Amuro in the show is kind of like your, your, your pretty basic prototypical good guy protagonist where he'll just kind of go along with everything. And like the way the show kind of in the, the story basically goes is that, you know, he's on this colony, the Zeon who are the bad guys invade he kind of stumbles into finding the prototype Gundam and gets into that and pilots it and gets basically taken into the white base, which is the earth Federation big ship that they have. And like, basically everything's kind of hunky dory. Like he's a little bit antagonistic a little bit, but not necessarily like, you know, anything that would push the boundaries of late seventies, uh, anime protagonists mm-hmm. in this, like they basically take that same story but make his character way more antagonistic to where like he basically is kind of like, he feels like he's being forced into doing all the stuff, like going on missions and everything. And basically just lashes out at everyone. And is like, oh. uh, like basically against the, like the, the, the acting commander of the, of the ship. Right. He basically like, he'll like just snap at him all the time. Like they're getting into like fist fights in the manga. Jeez. Which, that didn't happen in the show. I don't believe. And like he just like wait he's he's way more brooding in in this in the manga than like he ever really was in the show. And I think like it's a it's a very interesting and different take on that character, but I think it works especially well considering like, you know, like I said, this came out in the early parts of the two thousands and like the that time period, like characters were angsty. Angsty, <laughs> that those shades of grays essentially. And it it works well for that time period, but also just like you know, like underneath like the the whole setting of like here's a show from the seventies, it's bright colored, and it's a, like this it's about this huge war that's enveloping you know space and Earth and all this stuff. Like there's some real grim in this in this series, and I think the manga really captures that, especially like uh, the characters are cursing more in this than they do in like the show. Uh, it really kind of like hits home the realities of war more so than I think like kind of the show does, even though the show does do that in a different way, but this is just like more grim and dark. And I know like sometimes like getting like pushing that grim, dark style it, it can, can get a little campy. Yeah, exactly. But I think this does it in a, in a really good way. Cause especially like the art and everything is just so well done. Especially, so I have a question. Okay. How old is this protagonist? Um, like I assume he's like teenager. Yes, let me. Let me. Sorry, look I didn't mean to like specifically. throw you up. No, no, no. You're you are fine. Uh, no, but I I find it interesting though. Like considering that he's like a teenager, probably ish. Um, of the whole idea of like an accidental protagonist actually like having some pushback against that. Um, because. In some games, you uh, some games and some stories and anime, whatever, you get the accidental protagonist, and they're just like, okay, whatever. And it sounds like that's what the anime was kind of like, and yeah, and that it was um, like, all right, sure, I can do this now, like the end. Um, but it it seems to me that it would give it a lot more like interest and depth as you're saying kind of like shades of gray to it with him having some kind of like pushback against this like 
I know when I was a teenager that if I became an accidental protagonist, I'd probably be a little about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's 15, by the way. 15. Okay, yes. Especially as a 15-year-old. If somebody's like, all right, time to go pilot this thing. First off, I'd be like, all right, that's kind of cool. And then second, I'd be like, oh, well, there's a lot of pressure on me now. Like, this is kind of this kind of sucky. Um, Especially because, like, he gets into that thing because the Zeon are attacking his his uh, colony. And, like, he's just watching people around him die while this is happening. like Xenoblade Chronicles. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> no, but I, I think that's interesting. It's a significant change, really. Um, it's it's worth noting. It's it's a risky change, I think, as well. Cause, like, it is very cause, risky. Because Gundam is very established, especially that, that original series. Like, <laughs> you know, they've they've done the original anime they did in the 70s. Uh, they redid, like, movies of it. And basically, like, that's, that's, that story is set in stone. Considering, yeah. like, those characters, it's, especially they, they kind of, like, go into other series as well. Because, uh, like, the last time you see Amuro, he's, like, 29. Oh, my God. And That's like, my age. Yeah, so, like, they, they kind of use these characters throughout, like, a bunch of other different series. Where, like, he's not necessarily, like, the main protagonist or anything, but, like, he's still, like... But he shows up. Yeah. Like, uh, the... He's, like, Joestar. Joseph Joestar. Yeah, he's kind of. He's not the main guy anymore, but he's there. Like, the, the latest series they, they did around this, like, time period was uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. They did, like, a recut of that and put it, like, on TV and everything. And, like, he's still... The character is still alluded to in that. Did you say Unicorn? Unicorn. Yeah. Are, are there actual unicorns? There is a Gundam called the Unicorn Gundam. Does it have a horn? It has Does a it horn. Does it look like a unicorn? N- no, it has a horn, but, like, once it transforms into, like, its overpowered form, like, the, the horn, like, splits off into, like, what it looks like a like a typical, like, Gundam crown. Oh, I'm disappointed. If I had a mech and it was an actual unicorn, that would be boss. <laughs> Uh, I think you're looking more towards, like, G Gundam in that sense. Because there was a Gundam horse in that okay. show. Okay, well, you know that I know, like, next I know, I know. Gundam, so I'm I just mean, sitting here thinking, like, if I had a mech <laughs> and it looked like a hot pink unicorn, like some freaking rainbow bright but actually had a horn instead of, like, a star on his head, like, heck yeah. I want that. I mean, that kind of does have it. Just at times, not all the time. All right, all right. <laughs> Basically, I just want to pilot a mech that's brightly colored and adorable. Because who wouldn't? <laughs> also, G-Dragon's there in my brain, but that's a whole different topic. That makes the most sense. It does, it does. He would pilot a unicorn that's brightly colored. You know he would. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Sorry, I threw you off your manga talk. Sorry. <laughs> um, what was I going to talk about? You were talking about Grimdark. Uh, yeah, Grimdark. Uh, the art, I think that's what I was going to transition to. Uh, ah. It's very, like, especially in the action scenes, and I think that's one of the, the things this, this manga specifically does well, is that it's translating an action show into manga, which means you are, of course, you're splitting up all the action scenes going from frame to frame to frame, mm-hmm. and... As someone who has studied graphic novels and manga at at one point, uh, it's very interesting to like see like the ways like okay, why is this frame this way? Why did they cho- they choose this scene to represent uh, this frame? And like, why did they make it for this action shot? 
and all of those. And I had a kind of like a feeling of like, well, I wonder how they're going to do like all these action action scenes and break them up so it doesn't like break up the flow of the of the story and everything. And I think every it does it just very well where like you see like all these explosions happening and even in a single frame and like it feels like a very well done fight scene even though it's broken up frame by frame. And it's it's something that's very surprising at least I thought because I wasn't really sure what to expect from, you know, taking a animated action show and then translating it into, you know, pages specifically. I imagine as an artist, that's got to be difficult because I, I, I dealt with a more. I am dealing with a lot of that when I'm reading the Zelda mangas and in the sense. Well, and the Persona ones, too. And mm-hmm. they're taking things that are very action based because they're literally video games where you have to control people in fights and they're having to break it up. And it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm glad that this one mm-hmm. works pretty well. And it, it's an interesting thing to think about when you're reading it. Like, why did they choose this particular like? moment and this kind of motion and all that that kind of nonsense i'm not an artist i can't draw a stick figure so (laughs) i could never answer that kind of thing but it's it's an interesting idea about manga that it's based on like really really action heavy things Mm -hmm. and Um, i think i like the way they kind of redesigned the original gundam as well which is also very iconic considering you know it's from the night from that 1979 series and the way they kind of talk about it in this and in the show as well, it's like, oh, it was a production model and, like, it wasn't ready for, like, its full use yet. So, like, it has, like, like the production number, like, on its chest and, like, kind of has, like, these, like, slightly, like, little things that make it kind of look unfinished. And I think that works so well in this in a way that, like, it may not have worked in, like, the original series and everything. And I guess, like, one final thing I want to kind of touch on... uh briefly it'll like kind of go into like these little color sections like sometimes in the beginning of the of the volume and then at the very like beginning and end of chapters it'll like switch to color from black and white Mm -hmm. the way this this series does color is it's something that i think once again like it could have went really bad or it could have went really well and i think it does it really well it's almost like watercolored but every all the colors are like muted in a way so it's not like so many screenshots of this. Yeah, so I want to see it. It's like it's not like all this like bright stuff. Even though like there are parts of it that are very bright, but like a lot of like the scenes where like you know you see characters talking to each other like this very like dark and muted, and it kind of like it has that heavy tone of like that grimness and like the heaviness of like what's happening and what's being surrounded by these characters, but like you especially. Like I said, compared to that 1979 original series where it is very brightly colored and this basically just takes that and just like mutes it all down. But it works so well in a way that's like I would kind of want to see like an animated version of this just to see if like they could still pull that off and if it would actually work in in terms of being in movement compared to this. Maybe it's just a thing where it works so well considering it's on the page instead of like on TV and everything, but the color is just so so good. Hmm. So yeah, I feel like so, I blew my voice out doing that. <laughs> really? I don't have anything to drink, so that's why. Oh, oh. so okay. On that one. If if you were talking to somebody, mm-hmm. which I guess you technically are, um, if if you were talking to somebody and you're like, 
I have this book. Would you recommend it to somebody who doesn't know the series? I think it would be. It it just depends. Like you know, if they like mech stuff and all that stuff, and like all that. Like, cause, I mean, there's people out there like who just don't deal with that don't sort deal of stuff. Don't Yeah, I understand. All that sort of stuff. So like, I guess like you have to know what you're getting into. But like, if you want an introduction to the Gundam series and you don't want to shell out or you don't want to watch the anime, which might mm-hmm. be a weird, weird thing in and of itself, but I think it would. This would be a good introduction to the series as a whole because it kind of like. I mean, you're getting that original story, which set off, you know, the tens of spinoffs, tens, 20, 30, 40 <laughs> different spinoff shows that they've done from 1979 until now. So you get that main series and you get it in a in a new and I think more modern telling of it compared to what it, they did in 1979. So, okay. yeah, I, I, I think as long as you know, like what you're getting into, like, yeah, sure. And also just like, like I said, like these volumes are just so well done in and of itself. So, like you know, for fans of the series, like these are very good just to pick up and just like have as like a collector's item, even, even just that you don't even like have to like go and read them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, you could just like have these just to have, and like, they're just very good for that as well. Cool. There is a, there, there is another, um, I have another volume of another Gundam series it's called a uh, mobile suit Gundam Thunderbolt, which is a very good like OVA series that they've been doing over the past like year or two. And, it's based off the off the manga of the same name, obviously, which I have. But I'm very curious to see how well that is, considering like one of like the key aspects of the show is the soundtrack, which is like this freeform jazz stuff that they put in it, and it's so good. And that I'm sounds just, awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I should send you like one of the songs in it. It's amazing. Uh, but like, but I'm just real curious to see like how they do that for the manga, and if like if it holds up or if it like kind of detracts from it. That makes sense. Like some some anime are just so driven by like the score or what's going on with musically that um I feel like I feel like a lot's lost. Um actually for example, I'm reading the the Your Name light novel, mm-hmm. as you know. And it's really interesting how they they um they go about this because they have the characters. Um, Mitsua in particular is constantly telling you about like her inner soundtrack and what, what kind of music would we play at this kind of time. And I'm like, that's a really weird way to do this. Um, But they're describing the actual soundtrack for the movie and like the type of music that would be playing at that point. But she's like, yeah, my inner soundtrack did this kind of song. And I'm like, huh? So, you know, it, not that that movie is one that's so soundtrack based, but there are a lot of anime that like music is huge. And it sounds like this one would be one of those that it would be weird in a way without it. Right. Hmm. It's, it's it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm real curious to see how they, they handle that. So that'll probably be something we talk about next time or sometime down in the future. Yeah. And another grab bag. Like I'm trying to think of like Cowboy Bebop without Tank, and it, it just or just that soundtrack in general. Well, yeah, I know the soundtrack in general, but like that that I don't know. Like Bebop is so driven by it, and I don't think it would work in book form. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think of other ones, and that's the first one that comes to mind. There's a there's a Gundam Wing I think manga as well that they're they've just now put out in English. So like 
I think I, I might pick that up at some point, but also like the soundtrack of that show is also like has very good hits and like does well with like the scenes they paired up with. So I wonder like how it would fit with that. Or I would just like, I'm just going to play the soundtrack while I'm reading this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Huh. All right. Do you want me to talk about Zelda now? Just include a, like a mini soundtrack as you're flipping through the pages of your manga and then everything will be set. That's genius, you know. <laughs> it's like it would be like one of those like uh those cards that you open up and it plays sounds. Oh my god! I was thinking more of like how I get like the BAP uh like books and it has like the pictures of all the guys and then in the back it has the the CD and like a envelope. Uh huh. Like if you did that with manga, it's just like all all the pretty pictures and everything, and then the back there's the disc and you just put in the music and go. <laughs> Although one of them is like, you know, in your intense, like giant mech fights and shit, and then the other one is pretty Korean boys. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit different, but not that much different. I mean, people have basically compared Gundam Wing to boy band Gundam, so it would totally work. Are you serious? Yeah, like there's there's five main characters. And if you ever see promotional art of them, it looks like they're in a boy band. That's amazing. I wonder if they have like the the stereotypical like boy band personality types. Uh, well, there's main character who is very brooding and angry. Uh, <laughs> other character who's kind of upbeat, but he calls himself the god of death. Uh, quiet, mysterious character, rich kid character, and then Chinese character. <laughs> Oh my god. He was very um, obsessed with like the having legitimate battles with people and tr- testing their strength and weakness. Oh my god. But then like all the promotional art is like this them hanging out and then like posing like a boy band. It's no it's wonder genius. It's no wonder that show was way more popular with women than men. I mean, I would watch the heck out of a show that's like, here's these dudes posed like boy band. Like, yeah, watch that. <laughs> And they're all in like real bad '90s like fashion, so even better. <laughs> I mean, yes. Did you see Shiny? They wore '90s stuff, and I was into it. So see? it would work. Yeah, it totally works. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm almost tempted to go see this just because I I'm now intrigued by boy band ridiculousness. I'm, I. Uh, it's who very am ridiculous. I? It's that's that's a good question. I'm, I'm a ridiculous human being. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Um, so I feel like I've admitted some like deep, dark stuff just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't tell you this. this is not the manga grab bag episode. This is an intervention. Oh, oh, it's a problem. I do have a problem. <laughs> um, so you don't want me to talk about Link, who is a pretty boy as well. I mean, you totally can, because that's pretty much what we're going to talk about. All right. Um. So my intervention will not will not happen because I'm going to talk. Uh, unless that's part of the intervention, in which case, well done, sir. <laughs> Tell me another tale of the Link. <laughs> okay. So, um, like I said, I'm going to talk about the. Oracle of Seasons and Ages Legendary Edition, which puts both of them together. Um, I guess one thing 
worth noting is that similar to how yours was, uh, it has certain pages in color. Although, unfortunately, it's only like the first section of it. So like the um, first like uh, chapter? Not even the first chapter. Like that's what's kind of disappointing about it is that it, it's, it's well, I mean, like, not even I mean, like, the, the full f- dang chapter. The first like few pages of the, the first chapter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, what... What's actually kind of cool, I guess, in a way, um, is that they give Link from Oracle a backstory. So, um, surprising, right? Uh, he's he's a farm kid who doesn't want to be a farm kid. He doesn't like his life in the countryside. He lives with his grandparents. And um, he he decides that he's going to be a, a knight... Also, um, random naked baby Link is in here. Um, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I showed you this. Um, like, there's just random naked Link for whatever reason. Both of our um, books just have random nudity in them. Does yours have random nudity, too? Uh, mine's got some dude butt in it. Oh, hell it's, yeah. I really need to read it then. It's some real bad dude butt. Why is it bad? Because that, that's not a good looking butt. Oh, that's disappointing. Most dude butts are... I'm not even going to continue that sentence. (laughs) So, uh, Link's grandpa uh, is telling him that he's supposed to be a knight because he has the Triforce on his left hand. And so Link is, like, tired and plunky and doesn't want to do anything. And he has a pet chicken, like a little chick that he carries around for some reason. I never quite figured that out. Just for funsies. So uh, he travels to Hyrule Castle to take his night exam or whatever it's called. <laughs> Gotta um, go take the night exam. Right. Uh, and gets into a fight because, of course, he does. And um, ends up basically being recruited to go and... Um, I don't even remember the name of the... What is the name of the the world in Seasons? Uh, uh Holodrum. Holodrum. Yeah. I found it. Um so he's sent there by Zelda after his night exam because she realizes who he is. And she basically is like, "It's your job, save the world." So, of course, our little grumpy Link is going to be like, "What?" <laughs> and um until he meets Din, in which case he's like, oh, hey, there's a pretty girl involved. I might do this. But one thing that's a little bit different from the game, uh, I should mention Seasons is pretty much the exact same as the game. They cut out like the dungeons because that would be really boring to read. But um, in terms of the actual story progression, it's pretty much exactly the same. Um, so if you've played it, you kind of know what's going to happen. Uh, except for like Ricky and Maple, uh, Ricky is the kangaroo with the boxing gloves, and Maple is the witch. Uh, they actually help Link um, take on Onyx because, of course, they do. Um, I wish that Ricky had actually been there in the final fight. Can you imagine? Some boxing him. <laughs> it would have been awesome. But um, Din totally has the hots for Link, which feels a little weird because she, I think she's older than him. 
she seems older than him, at least in the game. I mean, yeah, I would assume that. Um, so it's all about like, hey, let's let's give Link kisses and things like that, which is is really weird. Um, <laughs> but so Maple is driven by the fact that she wants the Rod of Seasons for some reason. Um, Ricky is just like, hey, you're a pal. You got me and my boxing gloves back. <laughs> He's a simple man. Kangaroo <laughs> thing. Um, and also, I guess, worth mentioning in this is that um, Seasons is actually quite a bit shorter than Ages in this book. Um, but there's a reason for that. It's because they add a bunch of stuff to Ages? They added a ton of stuff to Ages that makes it so much cooler than the game could ever hope to be. Which is really disappointing that, like, that's the version in the manga that you don't get in the game. And I wish you had it in the game. Um, because Ages in the game, and also in the manga, clearly involves time travel. Duh. Uh, <laughs> and so what ends up happening is that um, Link is also sent into um, Librania or whatever it was called I can't remember doesn't matter um, he's sent there to try and protect um, why am I blanking on names it's the thing that happens help me out here man Uh, Zelda no. <laughs> Link. The Oracle of Ages. Uh, did, did she start with an N? Nehru. Is that it? Thank you. Um, they're Din, Feyror, and Nehru, named after the goddesses. I got um, you back. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, you get the whole like normal plot thing of... Okay, Link sit is sent to go protect her because he's already protected Din. They know that something's going wrong because Zelda is a prophet, essentially. And um, Impa does the same thing she does in the game, makes you move the rock because you have the... makes Link move the rock because he's got the Triforce. And Link, move this rock for me! <laughs> Even though she literally like lifts a cow at some point. And he's like, you can lift a cow, but you can't lift this rock. Rocks are heavier than cows. Everyone knows that. Literally, though, that's a conversation that happens. <laughs> um, you get a lot more characterization of um, Ralph. Do you even remember Ralph? Was... I'm trying to remember which game I played first and second. Was Ralph, like, the one who was, like, into Nehru... He was into her, and he's and like, like he, yeah, we got to protect her. He's the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to save her. I'm the one who's going to do it. Uh, wait, nope, mm -hmm. nope, just kidding. Yep. Okay. Um, so he gets a lot more characterization. He still has the same idea of, like, he, he really cares for her, and he wants to protect her, but he actually is with Link the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so it adds a lot more interest and depth to him that he's, you know, trying to figure out what the heck is happening. Um so kind of like how uh, Seasons had Ricky and Maple as your your little Link cohorts, here you have Ralph. Um, and not only do you have Ralph, 
you have the greatest addition in this manga, which is Raven. Um, usually, and I may talk about this on a different podcast, but usually if a book or something like that adds in like an original character, I really dislike it. Right. Uh, it feels kind of cheap and weird. But this edition actually made it so much better. And it made the story make a lot more sense and have a lot more of a like a gravity to it that you feel like something actually matters. Um, because Raven is a knight who's under the queen who is possessed um, by Varen, uh, the, the sorceress witch thingy. Um, yeah, I don't know what she was. Do you know what Varen was? The sorceress, sorceress witch thingy. Sorceress witch thingy. So Raven is a knight under her, but he's actually... A bird. He's not a bird. <laughs> he's more of a revolutionary. He's kind of a spy undercover, and um, he protects a village who's hidden um, with people that he's helped from the queen, like get away from her. And Raven is Link's ancestor. And for one, he's super hot. So good addition. Super good addition. <laughs> um, because Oracle Link is, for one, a kid. So there's that. But two, um, he's such a like a weird kid. <laughs> um, I know that Link usually doesn't have super amounts of personality until like really recently. But the way that he character, um, the author, I will never say his name right. It's Akira Himikawa. Uh, he wrote, he wrote all the Zelda mangas. He's actually working on the Twilight Princess one too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have, I have those. Well, I have the first one. I have the second one coming, but, um, he kind of makes this link into like a, like bratty, irresponsible kind of link. Um, also, he's a sass machine, which I appreciate that because whenever <laughs> a character is sassy, I love them immediately. But he's he's not your like really. I don't think he he understands so much like how big of a deal the things that he's doing are going to be. Whereas a lot of the other links that have been written understand like, this is this is a huge deal. I have a lot of responsibility. This kid and Oracle is still kind of like. Bleh! I got to do these things and like goofing <laughs> around and whatever. Um, so having Raven there who is essentially like an adult link, he looks like an adult link. He does. And, and he's serious and he, um, very, very protective. And, um, it's really, really funny at one point because, uh, Oracle link is like, oh, I have to protect him because he's my ancestor, and if he dies, then I die, and that's a big deal. And he's, like, really, really goofy about it, and he's trying to keep it undercover that he knows who Raven is. He's like, I don't know, that'll mess up the timeline if I tell him that I'm, like, from his bloodline. And uh, eventually it comes out, Raven's like, yeah, you didn't think I knew that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's why I was protecting you, kid. I got you. Um, but he, he does, like, really cute things. Like, there's a girl in the town that um, has a, uh, a garden. So, like, Raven goes and gets her seeds and helps her cultivate them. 
and he's protecting people. He's like bringing them out from the the tower building. Uh, he Oracle Link gets put into prison at one point, and Raven's just like, "Hey, how about some fishing?" And Link is like, "What? <laughs> We're gonna go fishing? Excuse me." And then he realizes what Raven did is leave him a fish hook so he can pick the lock. Um, so, That's me just picking those locks with all the fish hooks I have. Right, right. So it's <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you, right? Uh, but yeah, he's he's mega handsome. So I kind of loved him for that. But also, he's really respectable and cute, and um, like he he has his fun moments as well. So you can kind of get some sense of like the link personality from Raven, but like I said, an adult. So, um, but it, it makes ages for one, make more sense because you have somebody helping link along that has some kind of knowledge of the situation because you're in in the past and you have somebody who's kind of guiding him. Um, which I mean, you kind of had in, in the seasons version, because you had Maple and you had Ricky, um, Ralph isn't as helpful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Raven kind of fills that slot, and um, it makes it really cool to me because I, I like the whole idea of he has to go back to the past. He has to protect not only like himself because of like bloodline stuff, but he has to protect his ancestor, but he gets to meet his ancestor because he's in the past. Um, that sounded convoluted when it's really not. <laughs> and um, also one thing that I thought was really, really cool about the manga is that they delved a lot more into the love story between the queen and the um, pirate skeleton. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. They talk a lot more about that. Um, So basically, they give the, the pirate guy as the reason why the queen is so vulnerable to being taken over in the first place because... Wow. Um, she's really, really upset that he's gone and he's missing. And um, so she gets taken over and possessed. And so Link actually goes and meets with the pirate um, skeleton guy. And he explains like they were in love and he was going to come back to her. And he's stuck in a perpetual storm that he can't get out of. And, um, so there's really no way of like returning to her, but, um, he is able to, if I remember correctly, he's the one that explains that the mystery seeds, which mystery seeds in the game are not used at all. Like in terms of the actual like fighting. Right. Um, but in the manga, the mystery seeds are used to expel, um, the sorceress lady from the queen. I guess that's that's a little bit more interesting than, oh, Link's got to go plant another seed again and see what comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make more sense, but, um, so you have to, he has to do the, he has to use the mystery seeds against her, but, um, the pirates, the guy who's like, Hey, this is how you do it. Here they are. Um, 
So that's kind of cool. It, it gives him more of a more of a purpose in the story than just like, hey, here's this weird random pirate guy. Right. Um, because it's hinted at in the game that they were lovers, but there's no like real explanation for it. So the manga kind of fills that in. Um, also, because it's timey-wimey stuff, um, <laughs> Ralph is actually related to the queen. Um, so at one point, Ralph is threatening that he will just... Um, I, I, I don't remember exactly how it works, but basically he's saying that he's going to die in terms... Uh, like, to try and kill her. Um, not sure how that would work. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but, um, oh, because he's saying he'll just kill her and then he'll die because oh, he, he won't yeah. exist. Um, and <laughs> everybody's like, no, you can't do that. You're related to her. Don't do that. Um, but he like knows. So I don't know why they're saying, anyway, manga's not <laughs> perfect. He would just be like, yeah, I I know that. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, they, they clearly stop him. But it also, again, characterizes him a lot more in the sense that he's willing to give up himself to save uh, Nehru, which is kind of rad. Um, but in the end, they they stop everything. Um, the Zelda being taken by Ganon bit is just as abrupt in the manga as it is in the game. So they do they do actually like connect both of the stories together at the end? Um to make kind of like that Ganon thing that the game does or is it just like here's Ganon? Yeah, it's it's pretty much just like here's Ganon. Um they connect them in the sense that they do like the final ending with Ganon there and Zelda's supposed to be protected that kind of thing um but their method of explaining is like oh the tower's finally finished here's ganon um so like i said it's just as abrupt and weird in the manga as it was in the game it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but the cool part is you get to have like raven and link fight together so heck yeah um but I know that that was one of your issues with it is that it was just kind of like, where did this come from? And right. it's still, where did this come from? That's a bummer. Um, the thing that I really liked about the ending, though, is that, um, so Link always had, back at the farm, pictures of his ancestors on the wall. And... Um, that's how he recognized Raven in the first place. He's like, wait, I know this guy. I've seen him on my wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I recognize all the people I know. I'm like, oh, that person's on my wall. I, I know that person. Um, so when he goes back at the end of it, um, for one, he shows his grandparents like, hey, look, I became a knight of Hyrule and they're really proud of him. Um, but two, he sees that the portrait has been like fancified and become much more elaborate and everything showing like that link became not link that raven became like promoted that he got promoted and had like a much better nightly career huh because of this whole thing so that was kind of cool um but 
the ending is still kind of poo with the Ganon. Which is a shame because like all like the stuff you talk about, you know, how they change ages and everything. You would expect them to kind of like at least try to do something with that Ganon ending. But it's just like maybe they were just kind of in the same position where it's like, I don't know, just throw them in there in the end, I guess. <laughs> we can't really do much about it. Zelda's here too. Zelda's here too. Um, so it's it's really weird um, that they couldn't fix that up in a way. But I I actually really think that the book version of both the games is much better than the game version after replaying it. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of an interesting thing to to have to deal with is is that the manga of these games is much better than the games, but. Um, Definitely worth reading, in my opinion, because of the cool additions and like fleshing out the story a bit more than the games did, which potentially could have been because of the medium. But, um, you know, what ifs? So when when did the um, the the Oracle ones specifically? Like, when did they originally come out in Japan? In Japan, I don't know. The copyright's two thousand one, which is like right around when um, when the games came out. When the games came out. So I wonder if like those were produced in like conjunction with each other, to where mm-hmm. like you know like the the manga came out kind of like side by side with the game, and if like the manga writing team at all had like. I guess they would have had to have knowledge of, like, what the game was and, like, kind of, like, the basic story. Right. So, like, I guess I'm just wondering, like, why do so much changing if you're coming out in the same time period? Because I feel like it would make more sense, like, I feel like it would make more sense if you're, like, you know, you are doing this, like, years down the line. You're like, okay, I'm going to change what happened in these games because the stories were kind of, eh, and I'm going to try and make them better. Right. But this is, like, we just kind of did our own thing. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It's cool, but like, it's also weird. <laughs> it's. I don't. I don't even know how to really. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to explain it really because. Right. I mean, they're they're stupidly good compared to like the game stories. Yeah. And so with them being around that time period, which I guess I should mention the fact that. Um, given the time period that they were created, they have that really, really huge eye anime style, which is a little off-putting at it, times. It's it's almost kind of funny because, like, compare both of our works mm-hmm. and just, like, the art style when they were both done in the same year. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. early 2000s, like, everybody had giant eyes mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, it, it's a lot like that. Um, the Link just has huge, huge eyeballs, which kind of looks like an alien. So Tom DeLong <laughs> would be all about it. <laughs> that kid's is what you call a callback. It is. It is. But, um... I don't know. It, it like I said, it's it's weird for me as a Zelda fan that I'm like, don't play the games, read the book. <laughs> but 100, percent I think it's a lot better. Let me ask you this: like, as like considering all of those manga as a whole, mm-hmm. is there any of them that you would like 
that you would recommend to someone who hasn't played the games at all and just wanted like a introduction to the Zelda series is it's is that even possible a and if so b like which one do you think would be the best representation for like a newcomer coming in Ooh, that's a hard question because um, it, 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 I guess it would be different than like you know introducing to them to the games specifically. Oh, you'd, it would. you'd have to like you know consider like two D versus three D, but this is just like well, here's a story. Um, honestly, I feel like if if I were to say there's one that people could read the story and get it without playing the game, it would be the Ocarina one. Mm-hmm. Um. But even then, I feel like these really lose a lot if you haven't played the games. Because, I mean, they're taking out all the dungeons, essentially, and they're boiling it down to, like, here's main plot points. Um, Usually there's, like, a few of them, and that's about it. Um, I mean, they're relatively short. So So, it's mostly, like, an adaptation that it's definitely something you should go back to the original source material first before even thinking of tackling like the, the various adaptations instead of like, you know, trying to come in cold into like this adaptation and then going back. Yeah. Like I said, the only one that I think may be okay would be Ocarina, but that's partially because Ocarina in general is so accessible. And I I guess, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, like, maybe just because, like, Ocarina has, like, a lot of story to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so than the other ones do specifically, but... Well, and also considering that all of these are bundled except for Ocarina. Right. Um. So, like, this one's Oracle of Seasons and Ages. Um, Majora's Mask and Link to the Past are put together. Minish Cap That's a strange combo. Phantom... <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, Minish Cap and Phantom Hourglass are put together. And... There's another. There's a Four Swords one, but I can't remember exactly if it's bundled or not. But Ocarina is the only one that's by itself. And kind of just tells you, like, you know, the length of a lot of these that if they're bundling them together, like, obviously mm. they're not going to be that long. Mm-mm. Uh, I mean, most of them, like, lengthwise, if you're looking at it, um, would be about the size of, like, a regular volume of a manga. So. Right. I mean, they're not very long at all to begin with. So, like I said, they're cutting out a lot of stuff to mm-hmm. fit it all in these these volumes. But, um, but as I was saying earlier with the Oracle ones, like if you put in those dungeons, it would be so boring. Yeah. To try and read through it because there's so many of them, and like the fun of a dungeon is figuring out the puzzles. It's not like part of the story. <laughs> Here's this chapter where where Link basically stumbles into a, a dungeon and fiddles around for thirty minutes and get, keeps having to do the same puzzle over and over again. Yep. Here's Link doing yet another block puzzle. <laughs> I mean, you know, people uh, so would read that. They would, but not a lot of people. Be, it wouldn't translate well. So, no. um, but I feel like Ocarina is your best bet on that. But I. I still don't 100% think that I can, like, with certainty say, yes, somebody could read the Ocarina of Time manga and still get the same kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's tough. 
I mean, the way you're, that Twilight one kind of sounds like it's being extended out quite a bit, so. It is, it is. So, um, we'll see how that goes, but. Right. Just wait for the Breath of the Wild manga, where it's five chapters just full of cooking. <laughs> 20 chapters of Link falling down a cliff. <laughs> That, that would be a very strange adaptation, I would assume, if they oh, ever decide to do it. I don't even know how you would... It. The only way I could think of doing an adaptation of Breath of the Wild in a manga is if you literally just do the story bits. Which even um, then, that's going to be like, what, five chapters? Right. Like, if you do, like, the intro and then, like, the memories and then the ending. And so it... it wouldn't be long it wouldn't be very long at all um i mean you could literally fit it into one book they would have to like kind of come up with their own story around it essentially they would i mean 100 percent. and you'd have to give link uh personality like the rest of these do and i wouldn't say it's hard to do because we've read some great fan fiction that made link into a fantastic character it's very true but um it would be difficult in the sense of like trying to portray the sense of like aloneness that Link has to deal with in right. Breath of the Wild and like the openness and like the destruction of it in a book. Yeah. And I just, can't it, see it happening. And it's just like that thing as well where like you're taking a silent protagonist and then inserting a personality into them to where like, you know, some people might connect with that, but other people will be like, well, I didn't see this character as this, so this is very weird. Why would they be doing this stuff? Yeah. Um, and I think that's an issue you're going to always run into with Link. Right. In particular, because he's always been silent. And um, it's interesting because uh, Himikawa does actually give a different kind of personality to each Link. Huh. But he still kind of sticks with him being sassy. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. But, um... He really likes Zelda 2 Link, obviously. Zelda 2 Link is a good Link. <laughs> Have they ever done a Wind Waker manga? Uh, not that I know of. Because I feel like that art style would kind of just be, like, a slam dunk for a manga or something like that. Something is clearly happening. <laughs> the cops are coming to shut us down. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing anything, and I've never heard of it. But, uh, you know, with Phantom Hourglass, they have one. So why wouldn't they do a Wind Waker one? Because right. it would be perfect. Like, it literally would be a perfect book. And Though I wonder, um, like, as you said, like, they don't do a lot of color pages for these manga collections. Don't. So I, my I, as well. Yeah, I wonder, like, you know, trying to do that in black and white might just, like, lose the luster of it. Considering, like, mm -hmm. that game is so colorful. It is super colorful. And I think that's part of why I like it so much is because it's so colorful. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, because the cartoony style, it might look weird without all the color. Right. I don't know. I'll have to look at Phantom Hourglass and see how they did it. But That's true. Um, I also just don't really like that game. So... <laughs> It, it just seems like Wind Waker is kind of like a kind of a big exception to like all of like the manga they have out. I mean, obviously like one and two, they, I don't think they have as well. Yeah. So like, it's like those two Wind Waker, 
uh, Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild. Spirit tracks. That's probably about it. Maybe some other handheld I'm missing. I don't know. Link's Awakening. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, Link's Awakening. So clearly they still have a lot of other avenues to go in terms of the Zelda series, in terms of like wanting to do manga if they want to go that route, but... Mm-hmm. It'd just be interesting to see like which one they would go to next after like Twilight and all of that and you know whether or not it works in the way they want it to work. That's a good question. I, I would like to see if there are going to be any because the Twilight um, announcement was kind of like out of nowhere. Nobody was really expecting it. Uh-huh. So um, I was excited because I really like Twilight Princess but a lot of people <laughs> don't like Twilight Princess so Zelda um, 2 manga, like Zelda 2 manga, Zelda 2 manga. I would read the heck out of a Zelda 2 manga. I, I really would. I kind of feel like Zelda 2 could actually translate translate kind of well, excuse me. Because, like, you know, you have all those town bits. You could give, you already have Link having, like, this kind of angry, sassy personality. It would make total sense. Um, because you do have, despite the fact that it's, like, a limited story version of Zelda because it's older. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it that you can just build in really, really easy. I just want to see frames of him just like jumping and then like jump slashing at people and being like, why am I doing this? Why? (laughs) There's just a chapter of him grinding out levels. Running out of magic. Running out of magic, dying over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) I don't know. I I would read that. Um, I would read that. Did you know that they did the... um, there's the two Link to the Past ones. There's the Link to the Past one that was um, the the manga. And then there was, I can't remember exactly who published it. Was there one in like Nintendo Power? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I can't seem to locate it at the moment on my bookshelf because I have too many dang bookshelves. <laughs> Um, but that one was in Nintendo Power, and they just recently collected it, and mm-hmm. it's it's very very different from the manga one. So right. maybe that's something I'll talk about later. Well, alrighty. Well, well, I, if, we, if I talked about it now, then I wouldn't have something to talk about later. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I'm not saying you <laughs> should, you should or shouldn't. Look forward to it, guys. Look forward to it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a lot of talking about two different mangas. Yeah, they're very, very different. <laughs> it's very different, but came out initially in the same year. Yeah, that's... It's a strange coincidence, which we didn't plan at all. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't. Um, Really, really strange that they... But, I don't know, it... 2001 was a weird year. Yep. Also, I found it, finally. (laughs) Just took a while. Um, It did. Like I said, I have too many bookshelves. But, um, yeah, wow, this art style is disgustingly different. It's Obviously, it was was made in the early 90s, around the time the game came out, and it's a more American style of comic instead of a Japanese Mm -hmm. style, so... Although, Shotaru Ishinomori... Yeah. Does not sound very U.S. 
<laughs> Say that name again. I want to see if like I can find any info about them. Whenever Google decides to load up for me. Okay. Uh, Shotaro. Hang on. Okay. Is she Nomari? Uh, yes. <laughs> Second result. Thank you. Nice. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Japanese manga artist who became an influential figure in manga, anime, and tokatsu, creating several popular long-running series such as Cyborg 009, the Super Sentai series, and the Kamen Rider series, so... Wow. A pretty big deal. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so maybe that'd be an interesting thing for future episode, is me talking about the difference in this book and the manga of Link to the Past. Yeah, totally. So, there we go. There you go. I could talk about Zelda all the time. I I am very aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else though. I'm done. I got nothing else either. I'm done. All right. So let's wrap. We're done. Let's wrap up this episode then. For more let's information about manga, go to Amazon.com, <laughs> where you can buy both of these books that we talked about today. It's true. I mean, we're not going to get a cut out of it, but you know, just for your heads up or something. I don't know. Uh, for more information about this very podcast, though, you can go to seasonalanimecheckup.com or sac.cool, where you can listen to past episodes that we've put up, like, you know, last week's Final Fantasy VIII episode. Yeah, you should totally listen to that one. You should. Uh, people have been saying good things about it, which thanks. Yay, thank you. Uh, and then other episodes as well. They're all very good. There is, a, there is another manga episode up there. It's one of the earlier ones, but there's there is another one up there. Promise. Scout's Honor. Uh, and you can also read stuff that I've written on the site as well. Because that's there. Uh, for more on Anladium, go to Anladium.com and read all the stuff that she's posted recently. It's very good. Thank you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Anime Checkup, where you can twist or tweet at us. Please do. And, you know, it's always a good place to talk to both of us instead of one of us. Don't be a capital G gamer. <laughs> it's it's also got some good memeing going on sometimes, especially with my cat. It is. Loki is uh, number one memer. He is the number one memer. But, yes, please tweet at us. We did just recently run a poll about which was the worst Final Fantasy movie which we did. I think only us voted, so that was kind of a bummer. <laughs> but the choices were Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children, and Kingsglaive, Final Fantasy XV. Uh, if you have an opinion on this fantastic topic and you want to challenge the science, uh, you know, tweet at us at Anime Checkup. Yeah. Next week, the 25th anniversary of the podcast. Actually, I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's how anniversaries work. No. The 25th annual episode of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, Wait, is, that, is it 25th? Holy cow. It's 25. How long have we been doing this? Well, technically since September, but we've only been doing weekly since January. Oh, snap. Yeah. All right, so 25th episode. We're going to we're going to go into the big boys. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> big leagues maybe. Yeah, there you go. We hit a we hit a we hit a celebration mark. We're going to celebrate by talking about something. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. We'll figure that out eventually. 
it's my first week at a new job next week. So So that's going to make things interesting in terms of how we record and everything. <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that and Al being very tired probably. Uh, Al is always pretty well, tired. Yes, to be fair. But Al, Al is very is tired. Be working a full-time job. Yeah. I was going to be more tired. So it's like 150% tired instead of just 100% tired. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 200%. We're we're cranking the sleepiness up to eleven. Click. <laughs> That's the sleepiness uh, turn dial. Ah. So there you go. Uh, look forward to episode number twenty-five next week. Uh, go listen and follow all of our subs. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play if you haven't already to this very podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for another rousing edition of the seasonal anime checkup. O V A. Thank you for listening. Hope there are aliens out there listening too.